Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Friday, June 3rd. Besides being Friday, which is, of course, great news by itself, June 3rd is a date that I think everyone can get behind. It's National Donut Day. So there you have it, a valid excuse to stop by your favorite donut store for a sweet treat on your way into the office. If doing so is going to make you late to the office, get one for your boss, too, just to be safe. But what about that weekend forecast? Let's head over to the First Alert Weather Center. Good morning, everyone. Meteorologist Chris Holtzman here. Another hot and humid day today in the low country. We'll have temperatures in the 90s inland along the coast, 80s. And we are tracking a cold front and the sea breeze later today. And that will bring scattered showers and storms. Not this morning, but notice this afternoon after about 1, 2 o'clock, activity will become more widespread. Could have some heavy rain and gusty wind in any storm. And that activity continues through this evening. For tonight, temperatures fall back into the 70s, a few 60s inland. And we're tracking that tropical system to our south that will stay just to our southeast but notice this front over the weekend that will bring higher storm coverage on saturday that's on our seven day forecast which has highs in the 80s over the weekend but we're back into the 90s by next week have a great day you're listening to morning y'all your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the low country's news leader live five news now let's get to your morning headlines President Biden delivered a rare evening address to the nation from the White House last night, addressing the recent spike in mass shootings. In an emotional plea, he urged Congress to enact more strict gun control measures. Bradley Blackburn reports. Speaking from the White House with lines of candles as his backdrop, President Biden called on Congress to take action against gun violence following recent mass shootings across the country, including a New York supermarket, a Texas elementary school, and an Oklahoma hospital campus. After Columbine, after Sandy Hook, after Charleston, after Orlando, after Las Vegas, after Parkland, nothing has been done. Among the changes Mr. Biden wants to see, a ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, stronger background checks, and new red flag laws. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21. The last time Congress passed major gun legislation was nearly 30 years ago with the assault weapons ban, but that expired in 2004. Protecting our kids act. Yesterday, House Republicans pushed back against a proposal by Democrats that includes many of the president's priorities, saying it is a threat to the Second Amendment. Colorado's Ken Buck defended the AR-15. In rural Colorado, uh, an AR-15 is a gun of choice for killing raccoons before they get to our chickens. While Florida's Greg Stube showed off his own guns. XL Six Hour P365. Democrats say the legislation is full of common sense measures. Join us in saving lives. We couldn't have a more important job to do. A bipartisan group of senators is also working on a package, hoping to find a compromise more likely to land on the president's desk. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News. The Democratic legislation passed committee and is expected to pass the full House next week though it's unlikely to garner the 60 votes needed to pass the Senate. And we have more information about that shooting in Tulsa. Police say a man who blamed his surgeon for ongoing back pain after a recent surgery killed that doctor and three others before shooting himself at a medical office in Oklahoma. Tulsa police identified the shooter as 45-year-old Michael Lewis. They say the gunman had recently undergone back surgery and had called a clinic repeatedly complaining of pain. Police say he bought an AR-style rifle 
just hours before the shooting. Tulsa police have also released the names of the victims of that shooting. The suspect's target was Dr. Preston Phillips, a Harvard-trained surgeon who had gone on several medical missions to Africa. Another doctor killed in the shooting was sports and internal medicine specialist Dr. Stephanie Hewson. A worker who had been in the medical field for 18 years, Amber Glenn, was the third victim. She survived by her husband and two sons. The fourth person killed was a Vietnam veteran named William Love. Tulsa police say he sacrificed his life to save his wife from the gunman. In the wake of the recent shootings, House lawmakers are expected to take up legislation to ban military-style assault weapons. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she'll put forward the bill as soon as next week. Lawmakers are putting together several pieces of legislation aimed at firearms, including the Protecting Our Kids Act package in the House Judiciary Committee. Discussions in the Senate have centered on less restrictive gun measures, including strengthening background checks and mental health initiatives. Back here at home, several vehicles are damaged after a drive-by shooting in West Ashley. The Charleston County Sheriff's Office says it happened on Cartwright Drive. Deputies say multiple shots were fired outside of a home, but luckily no injuries were reported. The Sheriff's Office says witnesses could not give a description of the vehicle. No arrests have been made at this time, but anyone with information should call the Sheriff's Office. The Orangeburg County Sheriff's Office says a fourth person has been arrested and charged in connection to a drive-by shooting that killed a six-year-old boy. 19-year-old Seth Phillips was arrested in New York, just south of Rochester. Phillips faces a murder charge. Three others, 19-year-old Ethan Anderson, 20-year-old Michael Lloyd, and a 17-year-old were all previously arrested in that deadly shooting. Orangeburg County deputies say they responded to a home on McLean Street for a drive-by shooting back on May 13th. That shooting killed six-year-old Winston Hunter, who was struck by gunfire inside of his family's home. MUSC is hosting an event today to bring awareness to gun violence. It'll be on the MUSC Greenway in downtown Charleston from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Everyone is encouraged to wear orange in honor of National Wear Orange Day. The day is held nationwide every year to bring awareness to firearm violence. According to MUSC, gun violence is one of the leading causes of death for those in the U.S. ages 44 and under. And it is the leading cause of death for children and teens in the U.S. MUSC says everyone is welcome, including survivors of gun violence, community leaders, health care providers, and more. With early voting underway in the state's primary election coming up on June 14th, there are a few major races in South Carolina this year. Right now, one that's gaining attention is the fight to be the Democratic nominee for governor. Melissa Rademacher breaks down who the front runners are and what's going on before the primary. Five candidates are each hoping to be the Democratic nominee for South Carolina governor. Joe Cunningham, Carlton Boyd, Mia McLeod, Calvin McMillan, and William Williams. State Senator McLeod and former Congressman Cunningham are largely considered to be the front runners. Those two took to social media earlier this week, McLeod accusing Cunningham of pulling out of a debate, and Cunningham responding, saying he would be willing to participate in one that is fairly hosted. Now the South Carolina Democratic Party says there is a debate scheduled for next week, and it will air on SCETV. Details will come over the next few days. I was told that... 
Uh, he was the only candidate in the primary who refused to commit to a debate, and that's why it was canceled. So uh, I challenged him to a debate because the people of South Carolina deserve to hear from all of us what we're about. And so we've got that on the books, so very much looking forward to that. And talking about the issues and uh, talking about what, what's important to folks. And I've debated all my opponents in the past and would welcome debates, as many debates as we can. I know that Senator McLeod and I have been on a number of forums over the last uh, several months. The winner of the Democratic primary will go on to face the winner of the Republican primary, where incumbent Governor Henry McMaster faces challenger Harrison Musselwhite. In the newsroom, Melissa Rademacher, Live 5 News. The new election law Governor McMaster signed last month put significant changes in place for absentee voting by mail. Many of those changes are already in effect right now for the June primaries, but those changes are causing some confusion among South Carolina voters. So here's what you need to know. There are new qualifications for absentee voting. You can find those on sevotes.gov. If you don't meet those qualifications, you have to vote in person during the early voting period or on Election Day, June 14th. For people who do qualify and they want to vote by mail, they need to request an absentee application by phone, mail, or in person. They can no longer do this online or through fax or email. And they have to return that application in person or by mail by 5 p.m. today. Once they receive and fill out their ballot, that has to be returned by 7 p.m. on June 14th. That's primary election day. Under the new law, people can turn in an absentee ballot for someone with a disability, but it can only be an immediate family member or authorized representative. They both also need to fill out a new authorization form. If voters can't make that deadline today at 5 p.m. to return an absentee application, they can still vote early in person. There's at least one early voting location in every county, and they're open weekdays from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m., through Friday, June 10th. And just a reminder, if you need help finding your polling place, no worries, we got you covered. To find your early voting locations in your county, head to live5news.com and click on the big red box. After a decades-long journey, the International African American Museum has a home right here in Charleston. They'll be welcoming visitors in early January 2023. Lauren Quinlan joins us live. And Lauren, you spoke with the museum's president and CEO. Did they face any challenges over the years to get this museum open? Katie, Dr. Tanya Matthews says they broke ground in 2020 right before the pandemic started. Supply chain issues was one of their biggest setbacks, but they kept moving forward and they are excited to welcome people early next year. Matthew says choosing the opening date was important. They wanted to have their own space to celebrate. The museum has been decades in the making, and there are many reasons why. One, it was built from the ground up, costing just shy of $100 million, and the museum committed to raising most of the money before breaking ground. Matthew says there's so much black history here in Charleston. That's one reason why this home base for the museum is unique. We did have the ability to claim, to reclaim the space of Gadsden's Wharf, one of our nation's most prolific international slave trading ports. Nothing could be more appropriate as we settle into what I refer to as the middle of the African-American journey. Not the beginning, not the end, but a significant port in the middle. Visitors can expect art installations in the African Ancestors Memorial Garden, a genealogy lab, an infinity reflection pool whose art installation is based on a diagram on how enslaved Africans were packed in the bottom of slave ships and more. 
The museum says they can only give a peek into the African-American journey, and they encourage people to be curious and to find out the rest of the story. For more information, click on this story on Live5News.com. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, Lauren Quinlan, Live 5 News. On this date in 1965, astronaut Edward H. White became the first American to walk in space during the flight of Gemini 4. And from the birthday file, we give a nod to soap star Tristan Rogers, who is 76. Downton Abbey's Penelope Wilton is 76 as well. And TV journalist Anderson Cooper turns 55. I hope you have a great weekend, and we so appreciate you joining us here at Morning Y'all. From Live 5 News, I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you Monday. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.